Welcome to the latest edition of Match Chats on Leadership. My name is Matt Childers. I am the Executive Director of Allen Lima Leadership, and uh, we'll be hitting our uh, 34th year with the class of 2022-2023 that gets underway uh, in September. We have a full class and uh, looking forward to the latest edition, the best class ever of Allen Lima Leadership. As always, we're presented by Mercy Health St. Rita's. And Mercy Health St. Rita's, uh, hundreds of thousands of people pass through St. Rita's Medical Center each year, patients, visitors, and community members. It's a very busy place to care for everyone in the best ways possible. St. Rita's relies on more than 3,000 employees and hundreds of volunteers. If you are interested in joining the team, log on to mercy.com or apply and apply for a variety of open positions or join as a volunteer at St. Rita's Mercy at 419-226-9461. Looking forward to uh, being uh, with you uh, for the next uh, half hour or so. Uh, My latest guest is Dr. Brad Rieger. He's the uh, CEO of Cooper Smith Marketing and Advertising Agency in Toledo, Ohio, uh, the former superintendent of Sylvania Schools and uh, a former basketball player at the University of Toledo, my alma mater, uh, from 1979 to 1983, and it's a pleasure to have Brad at this very table. Brad, welcome on a Monday morning. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here with you, and uh, it's great to reconnect with you because we really hadn't talked for a couple decades, so yeah. it's, it's nice to reconnect. I, re- I appreciate you, uh, you following up with my email, and uh, yes, indeed, uh, I always admired you from not only the basketball floor, but uh, your interactions uh, when uh, we would meet when I was in college and then a little post-college with, with our good friend, uh, John Jasinski. So, um, so let's start off. This podcast is about leadership, but uh, what I try and do is give uh, our students who come through our class, uh, our classes both on the youth level and then in our emerging adult program, um, some leadership lessons. So uh, just a few things. What, what were your prior to your college years at the University of Toledo, uh, give us a little background and then take us up through UT. Yeah, well, I grew up in uh, St. Clair Shores, Michigan, which is just Mm. north of uh, Detroit. And I guess I viewed myself pretty much as a jock. And I was fortunate to have talent pretty well. I played football, basketball, and baseball. Then in high school, just went down to basketball and baseball. And then eventually just... um, and in both sports, I developed my leadership um, capabilities really through athletics. Mm. Just the pressure points of games. Usually, I had the ball in my hands at the end of the game, and um, sometimes was successful, sometimes not. So I learned how to handle uh, victory and defeat, and handle pressure really. And I was yeah. a point guard, and the point guard runs things, and uh, so I really learned a ton about myself, about life and athletics and, and uh, leadership uh, through just going through some um, real intense athletic. And I played at Bishop Gallagher High School. I played in the Catholic League in Detroit. And mm. the Catholic League in Detroit was incredibly intense. And so um, just great, great experiences with teammates. And I was fortunate enough to um, get a athletic scholarship to the University of Toledo and had the privilege of uh, playing on some great teams. Uh, my freshman year, we went to the NCAA tournament, 1980. We lost in the first round. 
The next two years we played in the NIT. And we had won two MAC championships my freshman and sophomore years. And so part of this, some great teams. You know, personally, Matt, my, I had a very modest academic or a basketball. Uh, I played, I started my sophomore year, but then pretty much had a role. I was a role player, and uh, but it was a, just a great experience. The NBA did not call on me, mm. Matt, so I became, mm. uh, I had to develop other skills, and luckily I, I turned into, uh, um, focus on, on academics, and um, ended up uh, uh, going into education. But really, the University of Toledo, Matt, was, you know, it opened tremendous doors for me. Yeah. And through athletics and the academic program, and just relationship-wise, most of my good friends are through that time there. And I, I found my found my wife Laura, who uh, went to Whitmer High School here in Toledo. Then I went to University of Toledo, and we started dating. She played field hockey at UT, so we both were jocks. And mm. oh, probably the best uh, thing out of UT was I found my wife. We've been married 34 years. Oh, that's that's incredible. Uh, yeah, well, that's well said. Um, well, that was really the heyday of Toledo basketball. I, I know they're they're very good now. I get I get to see five or six games a year uh, in person, and and uh, and then I, I follow them closely. But uh, uh, that was that really was the heyday. When when you think of when you think, and I used to go to. By the way, I went to basketball camp there uh, for three years in high school, and actually Greg Campy ran the the camp, who was. Right. Bobby Nichols' assistant, who's now been at yep. Oakland for about 35 years. I think he's yes. maybe the longest uh, tenured coach at, at one school in America. And uh, so I have fond memories of that because of how good you guys were at the time uh, and what you were doing. I mean, you were you were beating Big Ten schools. Uh, you yep. were playing at a very high level. And I think UT, the community, has always wanted – to get back to there, they won the MAC last year. But what, how would you describe uh, Bobby Nichols, maybe the assistant coaches, uh, in terms of some influencing on what you're doing today from a leadership standpoint? You know, it's really interesting, Matt. Uh, uh, Coach Nichols was highly successful before I got there, and but he he uh, was basically an introvert in an extroverted position, yeah. and. At times, he struggled with connecting with us, or we had a struggle connecting with him. So the relationship wasn't overly uh, warm, let's just say that. He was, uh, but he was incredibly committed to uh, all of us getting our degrees and doing things the right way, um, highly principled, high integrity. And it's interesting, all of us kind of a little bit like your parents right as you grow up you start to appreciate your parents a mm. whole lot more yeah and that's exactly what happened for me and many others when i started getting leadership positions i think when i first got my first principal's job and i was starting to make decisions and people weren't liking they weren't agreeing with me on something so i started to get scuffed up in leadership and i started thinking about coach nichols and some of the hard decisions that he made and he made those decisions in the blaring spotlight of a high, high-profile program, mm. ten thousand people in the stands, everyone with an opinion. And I started thinking about how he handled the job and how he was with us, and got a totally different view. And that, but that took about ten years. And mm. um, he and I reconnected 
after kind of 10 years of not really talking that much and um, he he really had a sense of the importance of the players and that was his greatest pride was the things everyone went on to do yeah. in their lives yeah yeah very good in that something that uh, that it, it does it sometimes takes that now, he was part of that old school I uh, you know I think that uh, in some ways uh, we can harken back to that and say boy those you know those coaches you know may or may not have done things that you can't do today but boy they're they had some they had some fundamentals in there that I think all of us took from that from that generation um, for sure. Um, you know, and Greg Campy was he was just it was his first year. I think he was a he might have been a, not an intern, but some type of. But when I came that first year, he became a full time assistant. He was really a brash. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of energy, and everyone had a sense that he probably was going to go somewhere. And so for all of us that, that knew him back there in the early 80s, for him to plant at Oakland and have the success. Yeah. And if you, if you listen to interviews from him, he talked about that, how he matured and how he appreciated the Oakland experience and what he was creating there. And he didn't need anything bigger, that he had something. Yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting to see him mature and his thought of career and leadership and just the coaching um but I think you're right. I think since Coach K stepped down, he is now the longest tenured in one spot yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah. It's remarkable, to truthfully, because he's taken his teams to the NCAA tournaments. Uh, he one would think he would have been able to, uh, to 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 navigate around to other places, and he stayed right there. So good, good for him. And I do remember he ran the camps. Bobby Nichols would come in. Yeah. Uh, briefly for maybe 20 minutes and give a little talk yep. to the campers but it was it was really Greg and his staff you know running it might have been you know I know Jay Lehman was part of that uh, at the time uh, hey when you think uh, one question before we get back to leadership uh, one a venue that stands out to you because you know Toledo was really at uh, its peak of performance uh, in that time frame that you were there and um, I don't know if you were on the team that beat Indiana, but a team beat Purdue at the time. Uh, but what venue stands out to you, or what game stands out to you? So my my freshman year, we traveled to Market Square Arena in Indiana mm. to play University of Indiana. This, they played some games downtown, and some te- teams, uh, some games in Bloomington. Most of them in Bloomington. Yeah. But we went into there, and it was 17-5 in the stand, and they all were wearing red. And that was the that was the time, Bob. Bob Knight wore the checkered coat. And, yeah. And the intimidation factor that um, that part of that game was something else. We went out first and started warming up. And, uh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Indiana hit the floor first and was warming up on the side that Coach Nichols wanted us to warm up on. I guess the opposing team gets to choose which side. Mm. So, when we went out there, um, our captain said something to the Indiana players. They wouldn't move. And so we're standing there, and someone had to tell Knight, and Knight just kind of waved him over. And then, so that's how the game started. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually were ahead in the first half, Matt, by like 10 or 12 points. But then uh, after the halftime talk from Coach Knight, I think uh, they came out and then ended up losing by 20. 
personally for me, that was the team that Isaiah Thomas was a freshman. Oh, and so wow. Jay, our good friend uh, Jay Lehman was guarding him, and Jay, within the first five minutes of the game, hurt his hand. He jammed his he jammed his fingers. So I was the backup guard at that time. So Nichols says, "Get in there," and I'm guarding Isaiah Thomas. Oh my. And so I tell people that I guarded him maybe for three minutes. I think he had like six points. He might have <laughs> stolen the ball from me. <laughs> I think they I think they taped up Jay's hand and said get back in there but I, I usually tell people that I because uh, Isaiah Thomas didn't spend his whole career in Indiana I think after his sophomore year he yeah. left but I accelerated his path into yeah. the NBA based on my <laughs> that's my great. early early time with him that that's but great. the intensity of that game was that was like nothing else yeah um, no that's that's a that's a great story uh, yeah, no, uh, that you weren't the only one that Isaiah did that to over a 25-year period or so. So, uh, and man, I was sagging off him like six feet. It, was, yeah. it felt like I had ankle weights on trying to guard him. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, they won the national championship his sophomore year, which would have been 81. So that have been yeah. right in the heart of your world yes. there at UT. So, okay. So fast forward uh, post graduation. Um, you decide to, to get into education at some point at UT and uh, ultimately become the superintendent of Sylvania schools. Uh, what was that path like? You know, at 31 years uh, I just, in education, I described um, that my experience is just very meaningful and significant. Because you, when you're uh, interacting with young people and helping them, put their lives in a positive trajectory, it's, that's a gift. I just felt just it's a privilege, whether I was a teacher, and I started out as a teacher, I was a special education teacher, I worked with special needs kids, mm. uh, kids with significant uh, disabilities, uh, then went into being a principal, assistant superintendent, and superintendent. The interesting part is as superintendent, visiting schools was my favorite part of the job. So I usually started my day, Matt, at two schools in Sylvania, uh, we had 12 schools. So I started my day at two and that usually took up two or three hours, but it was the most meaningful time. I'd hang out in hallways, interact with kids and staff, visit classrooms and sit down in classrooms. So part of it was to connect with kids, but really was to support and thank real talented and committed and caring teachers and support staff to say, thank you for the great job you're doing every day. To make have an impact on kids lives so yeah that was my favorite part of the job and then the other part was i'm speaking from the superintendent but it also can be with the other role just being a part of and observing the great achievements and efforts by students and staff and just the resilient spirit that you see again the human the human spirit and just the acts of kindness there's incredible acts of kindness going on in every school you drive by and I had a I had a front row seat to that, and it was I was I was blessed. That's uh, boy, that's special. Uh, we're uh, speaking with Dr. Brad Rieger, a former superintendent of Sylvania Schools, and now the CEO of Cooper Smith uh, Marketing and Advertising Agency in Toledo, Ohio. Graduate of the University of Toledo. We're presented by Mercy Health St. Rita's here in Lima. Was that normal for? Is that your contemporaries that were? Uh, superintendents is that something when you would go to a convention that 
a, you know, a, per, a high percentage of uh, superintendents were doing that they were going into their school systems uh, at the lower levels and the high school levels on a daily basis? Yeah, I, I think that's, you, you have to, you have to stay, uh, that keeps you connected on your main purpose because when you're superintendent, you're just inundated and buffeted with problems and a lot of them are long-term issues, societal issues, but then there's just the normal things that go sideways and there's, you can spend your whole day just in um, conflict or just remediation and problem solving. Uh, But so you have, being out in the schools, it's a proactive way to stay positive and to keep focused on, uh, on your mission. So yeah, I think most, most superintendents attempt to, but it's tough. You can be just back at your office. People are through emails and social media just come into your office there's a boatload of problems that you deal with every day yeah Uh, i also that kept me that kept me positive because all the great stuff that i saw yeah it helped it helped me kind of navigate the rough parts of the job yeah offset offset those those three and four and five alarm fires that that you were having uh that every school has uh so uh Give me an example of some leadership lessons that you learned or that you were able to convey to your teams at Sylvania. You know, it it really uh, transcends um, Sylvania. It's also at Cooper Smith, which is in the private sector. Uh, But I think it it really comes down to uh, relationships, Matt, and really even beyond that, just caring about the people you're around in a kind of a service way. So whether we're in education or a nonprofit or in the private sector, it's really about connecting with people and helping them achieve their goals and being successful and just flat out let them know that you care about it. You can't fake that. It can't be an insincere. Um, it has to be really that um, I care about who you are as a person. One way to convey that is to talk about things that are non-work related. So a lot of times when I talk to teachers, when I talk to our people at Cooper Smith, I'm talking to them about their interests, their hobbies, and their families. Mm. There's plenty of time to talk about work stuff. I mean, you're dealing with strategic issues and little issues, but when I'm doing one-on-ones and just and, and doing touch base, I'm really just talking about them as human beings. And, and that has to be a constant, because that's just, it's a way to convey like, Hey, what we're doing here is really important, but I know you also have uh, a big dimension of who you are outside of these walls, and yeah, that's important to me too. Yeah, very good. Uh, okay, so how did that uh, convergence of superintendent education then transfer its way all the way to being the CEO of a, um, you know, a uh, uh, a multi, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, a multi-million dollar uh, uh, advertising agency that's uh, known uh, in Northwest Ohio. Yeah, you know, Mac, uh, Cooper Smith has been around 60 years mm. and started out as kind of a boutique um, doing a creative agency and doing a lot of ads uh, and TV, radio, also some production, uh, just branding type things. But then um, in the late 80s, early 90s, then went into media, uh, media planning, media buying, analytics, and that is really kind of the, the main area that we 
focus on now. So when I was superintendent, I got to know Jim Cooper, who is along with his wife, Kim, are the owners. And um, they helped me when I had major initiatives at Sylvania schools, whether it be bond issues, operating levies, and or just foundation work. Yeah. So I got to know uh, Cooper Smith, the quality of their work, and also how they connected with me and how they treated me um, as a client. And they did everything pro bono. And mm. so I had a great deal of respect for that support for 12 years. Plus the other part is Jim Cooper was the uh, Hall of Fame hockey coach at Northview High School. He had 33 years, and the teams were always in the run for league championships and state title runs, and I, they were at the Frozen Four five or six times. And I, yeah. I saw him and what he did with young people and uh, in the athletic. He used that role in athletics to give people, give, give families and players, uh, put their lives in a positive trajectory. So I got to know uh, Jim Cooper that way. And right around when I crossed into my 30th year, 31st year, he just mentioned to me, he goes, hey, my, our business is booming. If you ever decide you want to transition, I could use you as a chief operating officer to run things. And wow. right around then, Matt, I had been 12 years into it. And as rewarding, as significant as the superintendency, it is pounding, really punishing. Yeah. I started to feel some of those body blows. No one really knew, but I started to feel them. So my wife and I just talked and said, hey, I want to leave feeling good. I want to leave when the district is good. I want to hang on too long. And uh, so that's why I transitioned into the private sector. I also wanted to see if my style, my leadership style, would work in the private sector. Because I was fist bumping people and <laughs> you know, you know, writing notes. And I was really focused on the human dimension of things. And I pretty well knew that that works anywhere. But I wanted to see if I could do that in the private sector. And now I'm seven years into it. Uh, Jim Cooper has, he's still the owner, uh, but he, he moved aside and, or he stepped aside and has stepped down a little bit, not doing the CEO and president role. Um, his wife, Kim, is the president. I'm the CEO now. And uh, it's a privilege for me to work with great people at Cooper Smith. I love working with our clients. And we got some really small pro bono clients to multi-million dollar yeah. uh, clients. And it's all about just helping our clients be successful. Their success is our success. And also getting to know them and letting them know we care about them as people beyond just the, the business aspect for it. It's just the right way to, to treat people, but it's also good for business. Yeah, uh, no no question about that. So we're visiting with Dr. Brad Rieger. Uh, he is the CEO of Cooper Smith Marketing and Advertising agency in Toledo, Ohio, were presented by Mercy, Mercy Health St. Rita's. Um, you know, there's a couple of things in there. In our uh, classes with Allen Lima Leadership, um, we talk about culture a lot, and it's really become a buzzword. And I'm not sure that, I think we define it really well because we have a couple of speakers that come in that are really attuned, and they do this on a regular basis. But when you think about culture, and I'll, we'll talk just Cooper Smith for now. Uh, how would you define culture? And then how would you uh, say that you try and uh, meet those expectations of what you hope that culture is on a daily, weekly, quarterly basis? You know, I think the um, how we treat 
you know, culture is really about how if you go into an organization, it's the feel of the organization. And that's a squishy term, but it's how people interact with each other, it's how people go about their jobs and how they interact with uh, the people uh, we're serving and also each other. So I, I, we have monthly meetings uh, as an agency and we have an office here in Toledo. We have an office in Stanford, Connecticut, right outside um, New York City. Plus we have media buyers around the country. So they're all pretty much Zoom based. And at the end, Matt, I, I sign off. Um, if, I don't know, you're, you, I don't know if you were a Hill Street Blues fan, mm-hmm. but remember when the, when the sergeant said, hey, let's be careful out be there. Be careful right? out there. Yeah. Careful. So my sign off, uh, is let's take care of the clients and let's continue to take care of the clients and each other. Hmm. And it's really about that sense of care, respect, and, um, and that takes work. You never quite get there. You never quite have the perfect yeah. culture, right? Yeah, right, right. So it's, it's that whole human dimension that's really important. But having said that, the first part of culture is performance because you can have all the relationship stuff, but if you're not, if you don't have really positive outcomes with the people you're serving, no one really cares about culture, mm. right? It's like, yeah. you're not gonna be in business or be a successful nonprofit or, or, or a school if you don't have the performance part. So I, I, I think it's a common, the, the, the culture part is positive outcomes for the people you're serving, uh, high performance, high expectations on performance, and then just the ability to care about the people that you're serving and the people you work with. And that, that is really well said. Uh, and, a, and a twist, because we talk about it all the time. Uh, that's, a, that's the first time that I've heard that. We, we talk a lot about, and I, I talk a lot about, just use my class as an example, the Alan Leadership class, uh, that what I say on day one to that class, and then I repeat it over... Uh, an extended period of time. We, it's, it's like a school year. It's September through June, and it's, yeah. uh, we, we meet once a month. And what I try and say is, I just want to add value to your professional and your personal life. I yeah. hope that this experience adds value. And I think when you talk about clients, customers, uh, or stakeholders, that what you want to do if you're a partner with them is to add value to what they do. I used to say uh, in the in the media business, uh, if uh, are you in, are you invited to your to your customers' weddings, bar mitzvah, bar mitzvahs, yeah. uh, birthday parties, celebration? Are you are you that close? Because that to me uh, is a litmus test for how close you may or may not be to your to your client, customer, or stakeholder. So. I love that metric. That's a great metric. Yeah. Are you get invited to things outside of work by your clients and colleagues? And I think there's another part of that is that a sign of a good culture is if your team members do things outside of work, whether go to a ball game, go to a yeah. TGIF. If that's happening, yeah. and it, all that's changed a little bit with COVID, you know, there's resistance to coming back to the office, and sure. people have, and depending on our ages, there's different views on being in office and that, but I think the flexibility of work from home and flexible work arrangements are, are here to stay. And in some ways it does help with people's quality of life, mm. right? To yeah. be able to work from home at times and 
or, or, or all the time. Even. So I think there's been uh, additional challenges for how do you stay connected yeah. in this post-COVID uh, new work environment. That's that. Yes, yes, indeed. That's a, and that's a whole. That is a, that's a, going on conversation that we're having yep. uh, amongst our, our folks. Uh, so when you think about the culture, uh, tell me about how you hire and what you look for in a candidate. Got to be a good human being first, hmm. and you did this flat out because um, we're we want someone that pays attention to building relationships and just a positive mindset. That's number one. Then also they have to have some significant chops and whatever the skill we're doing, we're looking for strategy and media. So the media planner has to have a good sense of how to optimize. If someone, if the client has a million bucks to spend or 200 million bucks to spend, we have to have a really good understanding of how digital broadcasting, print, out of home, all, all the different ways that we can use marketing and advertising to help our clients achieve so you have to have significant chops and the one area in our area is in the analytics because everything is measured now and so providing good analytics to the clients and so that they can feel like they're getting a return on their investment is is at a premium as it should be yeah i mean that that is uh coming from the media world that uh where you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you could just run a schedule, you run the schedule and you kind of just keep doing the schedule for that particular furniture store, jewelry store, uh, a car dealership. And now because of the digital world and because of 21st century media, uh, there is a clamor for, Hey, how can you prove to me that what we're doing is, is, uh, is successful for us? You know, the interesting part, too, with my second career is that when Jim Cooper asked me to do this, I said, hey, you know, I don't know anything about media planning or media buying, which was our strength. I know I knew a lot about messaging because as a superintendent, you change your message based on the audience. And yeah. I knew branding. and But there was a whole technical part of the agency that I didn't know about. So I had to grow in that. So here I am in my mid-50s learning new things, which is, again, a privilege, right? That be able to grow in a certain area. And I had to rely on the great people at Cooper Smith and some media partners to uh, bring me along. My my colleagues still cringe a little bit if I start providing my insights on media strategy and media buy. They usually say, hey, hey, Brad, we got this. Uh, (laughs) um, But because of my background, uh, the leadership experiences I had, I was really comfortable stepping in and helping clients achieve their goals, helping our growing our staff and growing their skill set and making sure they have the resources for them to be successful. And any problem that's thrown at me, I'm comfortable and I'm confident that we can we can we can solve it. So it's been a great learning experience for me and I continue to learn and I'm just thankful to have the opportunity. Yeah, indeed. Uh, do, do, would you say, in a word or two, would you say, uh, if you were Bobby Nichols or Bobby Knight, that you hire folks to fit your system, or do you look at others to come in and potentially enhance, or it could disrupt your system? Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. We just hired three people, and at our team meeting on Thursday, I introduced them, and 
And I, and I told everyone, I said, when I hire people in, the last thing I say is, now you're a new set of eyes. We've been doing things a certain way. We try to be progressive. And, but if you see something, feel free to, to challenge and raise questions. And if you hear any of us, if you hear me say or anyone say, we've always done it this way, that's a red flag. And so keep pushing because yeah. we're always looking to get better and you're bringing experiences um, that will help us get better. So I encourage uh, the new folks that we hire um, not only to assimilate to our culture, but to add to it and to expand it and make it better. Yeah, man, that's that's great. Uh, that's great for our class, too, that uh, just the lessons uh, of that and that dynamic within an organization. Uh, visiting with Dr. Brad Rieger, the uh, CEO of Cooper Smith Marketing and Advertising Agency, were presented by Mercy Health St. Rita's. And uh, if you haven't tried the new Mercy Health app, uh, keeping track of all of your healthcare information, easy and organized schedule appointments, uh, and you'll be able to get messages, you'll be able to pay your bill, view test results. Uh, download the app today at mercyhealth.com and uh, your favorite app store. It's Mercy Health St. Rita's. Uh, all right, couple last things here, uh, uh, Dr. Brad Rieger, who also has his own podcast, and it's called In the Arena. We'll let him talk about that at the end, but two great uh, experiences that I had over the weekend listening to your latest two with Todd Kowalczyk and uh, Veronica Motley, who's in your specific chair as the uh, new superintendent of Sylvania Schools. Uh, folks, if you want to listen to some real good leadership conversations, uh, Dr. Uh, Brad has those for you at In the Arena, and you can find that. Uh, I found it on Apple, and it's on uh, the other platforms uh, across the board with uh, your podcast. All right, so uh, let's say this. Um, what are some of the most important aspects of successful organizations for our emerging leaders? Well, everything's changing all the time, right? So the adaptability, the nimble, the, uh, the need to be nimble, um, and also that there's buy-in at all levels. That like the top-down leader, you know, providing kind of strategic direction, things are just changing so fast that you need uh, a flat structure, a lot of ownership, leadership team involvement, really input um, and engagement from all levels of an organization. Not easy, that's, that's, that's not easy. And someone that ultimately has to make a decision, you can't just have a participatory structure, so decisions have to be made. But um, the technology is driving all of our lives. Mm. And if, you, if we don't pay attention, we can become obsolete really mm. quick. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's scary and yet true because, uh, uh, you know, it was just 2007. Uh, before everybody had these handheld devices, these computers in their hand called yeah. iPhones or Androids. And uh, that's only 15 years in the history of uh, even our little country that's uh, been, you know, 250 years around. So, um, you know, that, those type of things, I think people need to embrace those as emerging leaders to be able to, uh, we, we talk about the four Ps, the people, the product, the process equals profit. Uh, whether it's a nonprofit or a private organization. And now we're adding the T in there, which is technology yeah. uh, to those four Ps. So, all right, uh, for emerging leaders, uh, go-to advice for the next decade. So either somebody coming out of 
college or somebody who's in the workforce now uh, and has been in the workforce, maybe at a middle management position, what's some advice that you have that you walk through coming from the education world into the private sector and now the CEO? You have to do a lot of internal work to have a grounding of what drives you, what motivates, uh, what your core values are. What, what were the, and, and so I, a lot of times I'll say, I'll ask them, well, think about the five de- defining moments in your life hmm. and why are they defining? And how do those defining moments uh, lead up to where you are right now? Wow. And so there's a, there's a lot of internal work uh, that I encourage uh, folks to do uh, that are looking to be in leadership because you have to be really well grounded because leadership's a tough job. Managing people and managing responsibility, managing budgets is a pressure cooker. And pressure is a privilege for sure, but you have to be able to be really grounded on who you are as a person. So for me, Matt, like the under the, the mission statement, or not even statement, but what drives me is I think the, the greatest gift each of us has is the power to elevate the worth and dignity of people around us. Mm. So if I'm on my A game, Matt, every interaction during the day, every decision is revolved around that. And I'm always on the lookout for how I can connect, serve, and elevate people around me. Now, I fall short tons. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I fall short. But that, to me, drives my leadership style, my approach, um, helps me get through mistakes I've made and just through rough times, whether personal lives and or um, work lives. If I can focus on elevating others, I, I think that's my, my, my true north. So I said, whatever, whatever yours is, Matt, whatever a yeah. young person is, but it takes a lot of work to figure out what that is. Yeah. Man, that's that's really good. That that will be great for uh, anyone listening uh, in our audience to this podcast because uh, that is a true north right there, true north star for for folks. All right, uh, your podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast and what you hope to uh, obtain through that. Yeah, you know, so I'm not a expert on leadership, but I am kind of a student of leadership. Meaning, I'm always interested in how leaders navigate the challenges. And really the challenges are how leaders navigate the tough parts of their job is really what's of interest to me. I'm, I'm curious, I'm kind of curious in, in general of people's life stories and, yeah. you know, I'm, and even as a kid, I, I like watching like Johnny Carson and Tom Snyder and hmm. Dick Cavett and the, on the sports side, Bob Costas and Roy Firestone. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed, I remember, I remember watching those shows and it just people were talking about their lives. And, and uh, so I'm curious, plus I, I and so I, I, when I, when I came to Cooper Smith, I, I said, well, I'd like to be able to sit down with people that are in various leadership roles and just ask them their story. And the tagline to Indirina is conversations of a lifetime. And it's really a deep dive into the leader's journey. and. Um, so I've done about 30 of them over the last almost two years and they're incredibly moving for me and insightful and interesting. If I ask the right questions, if I'm listening well enough and that's a skill I'm 
still developing. Yeah. Um, you can really unearth some insights that people um, and on the road they've traveled. And everyone, we all travel a different road, but there's some common nuggets. Um, and it's real inspiring. That and it is. So, um, I enjoy it. And I enjoyed this being the hostess like you're doing here with me and it's a it's a it's a way to shine a spotlight on people that are striving to do their very best for for others and their companies and for their for their communities and yeah so i still have a ways to go as far as growing as an interviewer mm. uh, yeah but okay. uh, it's an it's really enjoyable and i think there's been some really meaningful conversations during the during the podcast in the arena yeah, it's in the arena. You can find it on uh, all of the platforms for podcasts. Uh, who would you like to have that uh, you may not have had uh, either a uh, a wish list of someone that's going to come on the cast or somebody that you uh, may not ever be able to get, but uh, you'd love to be able to ask them a half an hour worth of questions? Steve Eisenman, mm. the GM of the Red Wings. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Detroit area. I love the Red Wings. I, ne- I never played hockey, but I, Steve Eiserman, his story, what he did as a player, what he did for the Detroit area, yeah. what he did for hockey, and then what he did when he went to Tampa Bay. I mean, the Tampa Bay success was built on the teams that he put together. Now he's trying to do it in Detroit. And it's yeah. a, um, I met him when he was at Tampa Bay in a because uh, one of our clients is advertising with him. So I was there at a game at the Amali Center. And they He came out afterwards, and I talked to him, and I said, hey, I grew up in Detroit. I said, you don't know what you did for the city of Detroit. And so I said all these nice things, and he go, he was very humble, and he goes, I'm sorry you saw a really bad game because Tampa Bay lost. So he was he was apologizing to me that the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> didn't play when I go, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll uh, rectify that situation. But anyway, yeah. Steve Eisenman, I have a list of maybe about 50 people that I'm still working on. And, yeah. um, you know, I have the day job with my CEO role. So yeah. uh, I have to fit in my schedule and then also the guests. And uh, But no, I, I, I'm really focusing on Northwest Ohio, lower Michigan, Detroit area, as far as my guests. But, uh, because there's just so much greatness um, going on in the leadership realm, just locally, that I think shining a light on those folks is is a nice mission for me. That's that's well said. Uh, had you ever have you ever talked to Judd Silverman on your podcast? I haven't. You know, I've actually volunteered for Judd on the yeah. golf, uh, all the various tournaments that he's involved in. But yes, Judd is a highly engaging uh, community leader. I'd be interested in talking to him just because of the success of the Jamie Farr and. Uh, the, uh, the the tournament that has succeeded for so long there in Toledo yep. uh, over the years. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Brad Rieger, uh, the uh, CEO of Cooper Smith Marketing and Advertising Agency in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast. Uh, it'll be really, really good for us to share with our incoming class, our alumni, and uh, all the stakeholders uh that uh, are part of our orbit here in Lima, Ohio. So uh, thank you so much for being a part of it. Wish you well, the the balance of the year, and uh, congratulations on all your success. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. Likewise, uh, Matt, thank you for all the good work you do down there in Lima and the leadership realm, and 
this has been a lot of fun for me to be on the other side of this. Indeed. Thank you, man. Indeed. Uh, we're presented by Mercy Health St. Rita's. Check out their new app today. And uh, my great thanks to Dr. Brad Rieger. Uh, look for us next time uh, on Match Chats on Leadership. And if you want any information, uh, head to our website at allenlimaleadership.com. For all of us here, have a great summer.